from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. It is Tuesday, January 14th. It's the year 2020. You're listening to The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huckabee. I'm talking to you from Nashville, Tennessee. Meanwhile, there in Orlando, Florida, making sure we stay on the rails, it's our illustrious producer, Chandler Strang. Hello. And then up there in Loveland, Virginia, making sure we go off the rails at every opportunity, (laughs) it's our friend, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. It is a it is a responsibility and duty I take very, very seriously. Hence the gravitas in my voice today. That is not yeah, impending. Yeah, you sound like Christian that Bale's is, Batman is, voice. You get that is, <laughs> This is the relevant podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, we've been trying to do this one for a while. We, we're excited to have a friend of ours on the podcast today. Uh, you're very familiar with his music. You're going to be familiar with his writing soon. Uh, we are proud to welcome to the Relevant Podcast as a co-host for today, our friend Corey Asbury. Hey, Corey. What up, boys? Thanks for having me. Uh, oh, man. This has, been, <laughs> this has been a long time in coming. I think we have twice now... Uh, teased our teased your presence on this podcast, and twice we've been denied. We I don't even know if people are listening anymore. I, I don't. They may have all just like given up on. They can't. They can't deal with these lies anymore, and they've just stopped. They've stopped coming back to us. Can only cry wolf so many times. I apologize for that. No, it's building anticipation. That's what you've done, and now now you've created a, a tremendous amount of pressure for yourself. That uh, perfect. The world, perfect. Corey, the world is watching this morning. The world is watching. I'm ready, bro. I'm jazzed. I just drank my veg juice. I'm good to go, bro. Also coming up on the show. Oh, this was a really fun one. Uh, Jad Abumrod. Uh, I got to talk to him. He is the creator of Radio Lab, the iconic podcast, and now he has another one. Had a really great conversation with him about his new podcast, Dolly Parton's America. We got to talk about Dolly. We're both uh, we're both Nashville guys, and uh, his podcast unearthed some really really amazing things about Dolly Parton's life story. That conversation is coming up. Now, Corey, this is a big week for you because not only did <clears throat> last week, and I apologize to listeners if I'm continuing to clear my throat, uh, not only last week did you uh, release an incredible collaboration of sort of the, uh, a, a reimagined version of your song Reckless of with Tori Kelly, who we're huge fans of. She's been on the cover of the magazine, been on the pod. But you also released a book, Reckless Love, A 40-Day Journey into Overwhelming, Never-Ending Love of God. Okay, Let's start with let's start with the song real quick. Uh, we played a clip on Friday's show. Tell us how the collab with with uh, Tori came together. Yeah, man. Um, so we were just looking at ways to reimagine the song. A lot of it, to be honest with you, <laughs> was to kind of bring people's awareness back to the song because we knew we were going to release the book, right? So we're yeah. sitting around the we're sitting around the table, a bunch of us friends, and just trying to come up with an idea. Okay, how can we? bring the song back to the forefront of people's minds. You know, they've been hearing it for freaking two years, you know, yeah. straight, probably every day, you know, maybe they're annoyed with it. Maybe we can bring fresh life to it. So we just started throwing out the idea of what if we invited the, you know, someone to come and kind of duet it with us. And we started throwing out names and, 
Justin Bieber was the first one thrown out and mm-hmm. I was pretty fired up about that, but you know, it, it probably wouldn't work out. So we didn't even go for it. Um, <laughs> but then Tori's name came up and we were all like, dude, that's it. That's the one yeah. that would be incredible. Um, so I just, I, you know, I had met her a few times at different award shows and things. We we're not like we're close or anything. Um, but I kind of kept in touch with her husband, oddly enough. And, uh, so I hit him up and I was like, bro, we got this idea to reimagine the song and bring Tori's vocal to it. What do you think? And he was like, dude, we love the song. We love you. We'd love to do it. Hit up, uh, you know, Scooter Braun or whoever her manager is or whatever. And let's get her on the track. So it was that easy. (laughs) Well, the the crazy thing is too. It, it I mean, came I, together I'm gl- really well. It sounds yeah, good. I'm glad you ended up with Tori because we talked about it last week. How, how incredible the song came out. But it's interesting too that you floated Bieber because isn't Bieber a noted fan of Reckless Love? Hasn't he covered it before, at like Coachella or at a worship event? Yeah, man. Uh, I think it was Coachella where he like randomly led this worship set, and dude, yeah. my phone went nuts that day. I mean, I'm talking <laughs> a thousand text messages in like five minutes. And I was like, oh my God, who died? Like what happened? <laughs> and it was, uh, it was the JBs man was singing the song and then he posted on his Instagram and stuff. So oh, it, the Bieber bump, dude, it was crazy. So it wasn't out of the realm of possibility, you know, but we knew yeah, that he was releasing yeah. new music. Pro- so it probably would kind of fly in the face of that. So we never even went down that Avenue to be honest with you. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm texting him. I'm texting him right now. And he's, he is really hurt. He was looking for <laughs> an opportunity. He, is, he had heard about I'm on the thread. He's pretty, he's <laughs> sad. Dude, he's sad. No, when, when all that happened, you guys know who Jason Kennedy is? Yeah. 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 He's, he's the a dude e from host. E news yeah. and now he's kind of yeah. doing this. Yeah. He's doing his own thing. So I guess he's buddies with, um, with Justin and, and another dude named Aiden King from Hillsong Young and Free. And yeah. Jason hit me up and was like, bro, like he loves this song. Uh, send him a, you know, make a video of you like thanking him for the song. And I'll send it yeah. over to him. Yeah. And I was like freaking out, bro. <laughs> you know, it's Justin Bieber. You know, I, I was like crazy yeah. nervous making the video. I was like, hi, Justin. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but Jason sent it over and he was like, dude, he loved it. It's so cool, man. So I never was actually in contact with him, but but through Jason. <laughs> yeah, maybe he'll have you out to his his palatial estate and you guys can ride Ferraris together or something at some point. I think I think the least bro, he could do is I'm that, down. you know. You mentioned the book. Tell me a little more about this this book, which I guess is which yeah. I guess is also a, a devotional, right? Yeah, I mean, it's couched as a 40-day devotional in as much as, you know, the chapters are called days. Okay. <laughs> They're a little oh, bit sure. easier sure. to digest. They're not, you know, quite as long as a normal chapter of a book. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a book. Um Dude, honestly, I said no to the idea so many freaking times before I finally said yes. Um, There's a guy in Orlando, uh, Jason, who works for Charisma House, which is the uh, publishing company we use. And he had been hounding. Oh, that's dude. That's in Orlando, isn't it? That's actually my parents. (laughs) Yeah, we. we, (laughs) That's crazy. We have we have some connections there. We have some we have some ties there. Yeah, yeah, we have some familiar ties. So that's why we keep. So let me let me get this straight. You have dirt on Jason there. You (laughs) got some dirt on Jason. Let's hear it. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I did. We're gunning for them. No, he's he's the one who's just hounding me because I went out to do an event with William McDowell. And when I was there, Jason was like, dude, we got to get you to write a book. Like it's, 
you know, we got to get that message out to people. And he kept, you know, we talked about it then. And I was like, yeah, cool. Like, that's, that's a great idea, whatever. I didn't consider it serious. And then he kept calling, texting, like, hey, man, I got the deal ready. Like, I got the contract. Oh, Let man. me send it your way. And I was like, bro, <laughs> I don't want to, um, I don't want to, my big thing is I don't like to exploit stuff. And especially with the song sure. being so big, it's like I could have written the book, made the T-shirt, done the next remix like Lil Nas X, yeah. and, you know, like gone down yeah. that <laughs> road. But I, uh-huh. I really, to be honest with you, I hate stuff like yeah. that because it feels so cash grabby and just mm-hmm. like let's cash in on everything right now. And I just I wanted to stay away from that as much as possible. So I said no to him like five or six times. And, uh, eventually my wife and I and our kids, we were on a sabbatical, uh, in Dallas and he called me again and I just said, okay, I'll at least pray about it, bro. Like I'll talk to God about it and see if he says anything. Yeah. And, uh, finally felt released to go after it. We had some time to write it and, uh, that's kind of where it came from. And then writing it was a whole different story. (laughs) Yeah. Was it, was it weird transitioning from music uh, writer to book writer? Definitely. I mean, music is all about um, those little sound bites, right? If you get that one line in the song, it's just like, bam, there it is. With, uh, a, yeah. with a book, yeah. obviously, you have so much more space and uh, so much more room to kind of delve into your idea and really flesh it out and kind of give, uh, give it wings, I guess. So it was interesting to kind of feel free to actually say more of what I wanted to say rather than just trying to fit it into this perfect melody with the perfect number of syllables and (laughs) all that kind of stuff. So it was a whole new world for sure. Well, Corey, there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about real quick. We, we spoke a few weeks ago uh, when the book was preparing to be released and you, I don't know if you are aware of this, but a conversation we had about a year prior to that, uh, had some major implications for a member of this podcast. Uh, uh, our producer Chandler is the yeah, world's yeah. biggest. Chi- well, <laughs> I'll say this: he's very unashamed, unironic, and very vocal about his love for chilies. So I had spoken to you, uh, <laughs> That's true. and I, I think it was it might this was a while ago. It might have been when you're one of your uh, uh, when you were releasing some new music or something. And after we wrapped that portion of the conversation, somehow we started talking about Chick Fil A, and. You know, you told us the story about mm-hmm. being a Chick-fil-A black card holder, which entitled you to free Chick-fil-A and what a great deal you got in lieu of an honorarium for playing one of their events. Well, <clears throat> we started talking about how, you know, we think Chandler deserves the same type of honor, even though he's done nothing for Chili's. He hasn't performed at any of their events. <laughs> they actively they have actively asked him in the form of a restraining order just to stay away from the headquarters. Um, but they should do something for him. So because of this, our listeners on Twitter started doing their thing. Chili's responded and and Chandler was issued a one and only Chili's metallic red card that that uh, entitled him to more Chili's than any human heart should possibly be able to <laughs> to consume and survive. Uh, he's somehow still ticking. But Corey, we talked a few weeks ago and I don't know if this is going to get you in trouble. So if you we just need if you just say, listen, this is top secret, nah, this is off it's the all record, good, man. then I understand. But there's been some drama and a new casual dining place has stepped in to fill the void. Yes. 
So uh, let me fill you in on the drama, right? You know, so yeah, we, we talked, it. we Still, talked about yes. this black card and it was, I mean, it was the most coveted, most precious gift of my entire life. I was like Gollum, you <laughs> yeah. know, just my precious. <laughs> I didn't want anyone to touch it. <laughs> I was super fired up. It was like the greatest thing in the world. Right. And, uh, so all of a sudden things switched and I don't know where they switched, but that black card, uh, became only useful at the Chick-fil-A at which it was given, <laughs> which is in Houston, Texas. And I don't live in Houston, Texas. <laughs> so that black card pretty much became useless to me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I was bumming hard, man, because that was like, you know, it's probably when the card was available at all restaurants, how frequently were you using it? I mean, as much as humanly possible, except for closed on Sundays, right? (laughs) (laughs) Other than that, you know, I was exploiting that sucker. That's one thing I wasn't afraid to exploit. Um, yeah. Were you were you notified of this change? By like, did they did they call you? Did they say, hey, as a valued black card holder, we feel? (laughs) How did how did you know the process? it wasn't, uh, you know, uh, I don't even know that other people have it, to be honest with you. It, there was this one spot in Houston. It's a radio station, actually. And I might get in trouble for saying this. So, you know, if you guys are listening we in Houston. Trouble. We get in uh, trouble all the time. I apologize. Okay, we, okay cool. Happens. Cool, cool, cool. We'll, we'll apologize later. <laughs> we've we've but, put the Chick-fil-A bear many times. All right, good. Yeah. So um, they issue these black cards to this particular radio station. And there are a few holders at that radio station. So that's where I learned of it and said, listen, I got to get my hands on these. Mm -hmm. So the, the young lady who's kind of our radio um, liaison host or whatever for through Bethel music, like for me as an artist, she was the one that actually informed me, Hey bud, like this is only for Houston. Now they've had to kind of restrict it. And maybe it's because I spent so much money on it. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. um, but it's, yeah, it's weird, man. It's, it's a huge bummer. So that's the drama, okay. but let me bring you into the beauty of, uh, of the whole uh, thing, you know, so in the ashes. It, that's, right. God. that's right. See, here's the thing. When he closes one door, beloved, he opens exactly. another. Okay. That's, that's the, the, <laughs> the, the, so check this out. Um, it was last year. No way. It may have even been before that. I'm trying to remember. It was, it was sometime probably last year. Um, I get a, I get a message, an Instagram message from someone. I don't know who they are. I don't even know that they work for Chipotle, but, um, the message basically says, Hey, I work for corporate we love you. We love the song. We'd love to reach out and just bless you with something. And I'm thinking they're going to send me like a yeah. shirt or a hat or one of the things yeah. that I got 1 trillion times since reckless love has come out, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so I'm like, yeah, you know, here's the church address, whatever, send it to me. Um, you know, cause I don't usually give out the personal address, uh, unless yeah. I know the person. So he, they send it to the church and it's this big box, and I opened the box, you know, it's got all the Chipotle branding logos and stuff. And I'm yeah. like, dude, like, this is lit. Like, <laughs> what is this going to be? Yeah, and I'm what? thinking a bunch of merch or whatever. So I open it and it's like all these free Chipotle cards and like um, all these wow. little special things that I guess only like sons and daughters of owners of franchises and stuff get. So mm-hmm. it was literally wow. um, upwards of like, 
I don't know, 150, 200 free burritos. And then there was um, free, free like meals (laughs) for six or whatever. They had all these cars, like free meal for six. So I'd bring in the family. I'd bring in a couple friends and we'd all get food, like chips and guac, a drink, a bowl, a burrito, whatever. And then on top of that, there was two, um, two catering uh, cards. So like free catering (laughs) for like 20 or something. So we had two parties at the house (laughs) and just got Chipotle parties. Dude, it was crazy. Dude, that is incredible. I mean, I feel like exactly when when one door opens and uh, when one door closes, another opens. Closes, yeah. That is the spiritual mm-hmm. lesson people need. Uh, you know, if, mm-hmm. if people are out there struggling Did that make right it now, into the devotional? Did that make it into the devotional? Yeah, that feels like baked into the, baked into the uh, material. Like day 35, no, you've been I, hanging on. I didn't yeah. get disheartened. I didn't get, I didn't get offended, man. And that, that's what happened. God said, okay, you didn't get offended. Here you go. Bam, Chipotle. Yeah. <laughs> you were basically, I, 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 mean, I really do. I admire, I admire the your grace in the face of such offensive treatment. But I do want to say, exactly. if you, if you could talk to, if you could talk to the Chick-fil-A CEOs and they're, they're faithful listeners. If you, mm-hmm. if you could talk to them, what would you want them to know? Just seeing, <laughs> seeing it from their vantage point you have right now. Yeah. Wow. I mean, the only thing I want to say is I forgive you. If I go into it more than that, it's going to hurt too bad. <laughs> well, Corey, we, we're going to, we got to transition to our, 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 our news segment here, but I just want to say, you are an inspiration. You are a modern day Job. I don't think I'm exaggerating. <laughs> Thank you, bro. Yeah. By considering you it's really and powerful. what you've gone through yeah. in the last year to Job of the yeah. Bible. And God has rewarded <laughs> you. Good and Job. faithful yeah. servant. Yeah. yeah. Get extra yeah. walk on me, good and faithful servant. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> Satan goes before God and says, and says, I, I even took away his, his Chick-fil-A card and still he refuses to curse your name. That's right. And trust me, all my friends were trying to get me to, to renounce Chick-fil-A. Oh, I said, sure. no, I'll never do that. Exactly. Oh, wow. That's powerful. What a, what a great story. Yeah. There's a movie yeah. in there somewhere. Uh, this yeah, is, there is. Great. We're going to talk we about just, the, the Just Mercy CCM sequel. Movies coming out. Yeah, we, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do Slices. You're listening to Jacqueline by Circle Waves. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard About Work the Dance Floor by Georgia. All right, so Slices is our weekly look back. Corey, just so you're aware, our weekly look back, some of the news stories that caught our eyes this week. It's time for Slices. Jesse, what are you bringing? Okay, I have two news stories. One is a little bit more uh, uh, serious. I'm, I'm interested in your guys' thoughts. And then one is is just pulled from the oddball bin. Uh, my favorite place to hang out on the internet. Um, okay, so this first one is a new study from uh, Barna, who's a research group, and World Vision, the humanitarian organization, both good friends of ours. The The report is called the Connected Generation Report. And basically what they did was they talked to Gen Z and millennials, so Gen Zers and millennials, in 25 nations. And they did like over 15,000 interviews in nine different languages. And, and they okay. essentially wanted to determine what some of their life priorities were 
Uh, and some of what they found is is uh, interesting. Some, I think, is a little cause for concern. So I'm going to read through a couple and then, uh, uh, you know, some of the high level overviews. Uh, so only a uh, half said that they have both completed their education and uh, have become financially independent from their parents. Forty percent said that they were already spiritually mature. Only a quarter prioritized getting married. Uh, less than that prioritized uh, caring for the poor. Um, hmm. A big, a big one that uh, was prioritized was purchasing the first home. Now, practicing Christians who uh, were on the survey, uh, they were the most likely to say that uh, becoming a parent, getting married, becoming spiritually mature, and uh, caring for the poor were uh, were important. But some of the stuff that I found interesting is that uh, only 32% of Christians expressed desire to care for the poor and needy. 18% of those overall ask said that their goal was to become influential or famous in the next 10 years. 18%. Only 23% said their goal was to care for the poor and needy. Uh, again, home ownership was higher on the list than getting married, having kids and obviously caring for the poor. Uh, so it's interesting. And I think we all, all of us right now on this podcast probably qualify as millennials. I don't know uh, exactly what the cutoff is, but do those numbers surprise you in any way? That's such a, a high number, almost 20% say that in the next year, their goal is to become influential or famous and such a low and, and, and they, and they put home ownership like a material thing higher than starting a family or, or getting married. And they have caring for the needy and the poor so low. Is that surprising to you guys? What are your thoughts about the results of those numbers? I'm surprised they said it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it feels like the sort of thing you'd like. You don't even yeah. serve it. Yeah. And be like, oh, no. Poor. Oh, Number yeah, one. Poor, for course. sure. Number one. <laughs> oh, yeah. yes, sir. That's the. Obviously. <laughs> I'm surprised yeah. they said it. Yeah. <laughs> Like it's a survey. No one's going to hold you to it. Just check the right answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does surprise me. It does surprise me a lot. Yeah. It flies in the face of a lot of what, uh, and I, I don't doubt the survey. It just flies in the face of a lot of what I've like read about millennials about like, you know, they want to have an impact. And, and this is yeah. the, the millennial generation were the ones in Gen Z too. Like they, they want their professional lives to be something that they're really passionate about and that they care about a lot. I think that's probably true, but I think we have also seen sort of with the uh as some of those those young dreams have sort of met the reality of like the gig economy and uh and a, a lack of jobs i do think there probably has been a little bit of a a come to reality moment for millennials and and maybe for gen z as well that is going to be a little more uh <laughs> maybe a little less starry eyed about some of those things. Yeah. And that could manifest in sort of a cynicism. That's like, well, I guess I just have to take care of myself and, and get mine. Uh, but I'm really just, I don't know. That would just be a me kind of extrapolating whatever I can from the data that you read yeah. there. Corey, I don't know. What do you think? Corey? Yeah, you travel a lot. You get to meet a lot of people. Is this, is this surprising to you at all? Um, it kind of bums me out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, the, for sure. The almost 20% saying I want to be influential or famous, I think is obviously indicative of the social media culture that says I can become an Instagram influencer just by getting a bunch of followers. It, that type of thought process frustrates the heck out of me, to be yeah. honest with you. Um, and again, it's, it's not because I think they're terrible humans, but I think 
all they see is these people making money from posting ads, you know, on Instagram yeah. or whatever. And so they, they want to do that. Young people are, are following the slightly older ones. And maybe it's a um, put on your oxygen mask first. And if they think they can make some money, sure. then they can take care sure. of the poor. Who knows? Like yeah. sometimes that's my mindset, at least like with my family. If I take care of my family or if I take care of myself, I'm taking care of my family. Yeah. But my guess is they didn't read into it quite that deep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and they just, they just want to be famous, which kind of bums me out. Um, yeah. But it, taking care of the poor is not sexy. So I get it. Yeah. The, the, I was listening to yeah. an interview a while yeah. ago with uh, Chuck Klosterman, who's more of a Gen X culture writer. But he was saying he was talking to someone who was either a millennial or Gen Zer, and like the concept of selling out, like that was like a big deal. You know, I don't know, ten or fifteen years ago, or at least when I was like growing up and listening to music, it was like, oh, it's bad to be like a sellout was seen as lame. Where now that that concept isn't even around anymore. Like the goal is essentially to kind of quote unquote sell out to the degree that Corey, like you were saying, people are willing to sponsor Instagram posts. Like you know that that yeah. value of like authenticity versus uh, commodification has sort of you know been introverted in in recent years it seems like do you feel like that do you guys feel like that's an accurate observation totally i wonder i think that i think it's possible i think it like like you said Corey. i think it's really sad but i think there is a uh yeah the influencer thing and i and i think there's been so many like very high profile grifts uh that we've seen like, like it's easy to point at the obvious ones, like the fire festival thing yeah, yeah. or, um, uh, what was, still, the, what was her still name? Waiting uh, to get my money back point that. that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stranded on that what island was, what was for her a name? week. The bad blood, uh, bad, blood. I can't really give her name. Bad blood. Who, the book, bad blood and documented bad blood is written about oh, her. Yeah. Elizabeth yeah. something. Holmes. Who created Elizabeth, those, Holmes. Uh, yeah. Holmes, Elizabeth Holmes. Um, I think that there has been this idea that in order to get ahead, you have to have a scheme. You have to have a, so you have to be pulling some sort of, of operation, maybe illegal, maybe not, but, yeah. but there is, those are the people that have done well and they continue to do well. Even when they're caught, they still, you know, the, the, uh, what, what's my man's name who just sold WeWork to fail, yeah. who yeah, failed yeah. so bad at WeWork that he was able to parachute out with a couple billion dollars. That's the, <laughs> I do feel like the more we've seen of that, yeah. the more there's been this, it's indicative of this idea and culture that that is what you need to get ahead. And helping the poor is kind of for saps. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's, I, well, and, and it is kind of like Corey's you say, and it's kind of a bummer, but it's also like, I feel like an interesting call to action for anyone that does have a platform or voice or anyone who just has people in their relationship circles mm -hmm. that, you know, might not have the same priorities to remember, you know, that this is a big part of the gospel in the, in the great commission. And I think there's a ton of opportunity in both these generations to make a big difference. So, yeah, but it, it is, it is, I feel like something that is concerning, but also sort of, uh, inspiring for Christians in that age demographic too, to try to make some change. So I have another, I have another new news item. I want to jump to that. I guess, depending on how you read it, is less of a bummer or way, way more of a bummer. And it's about a new mm, dating site okay. specifically targeting a group of Christians. And that 
dating site <laughs> is called tulipsingles.com. Now, uh, why tulip? You may ask. Is this is this for Christian flower enthusiasts or florists? No, no, no. This is a site for Christian Calvinist. Uh, now, uh, Tulip is for those the, for, for non-theology wonks out there. Uh, there are five points of Calvinism that are condensed into an acronym called Tulip. And those five points are total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace and perseverance of the saints. Now, controversially, like, uh, you know, it's sort of reform theology, which has made like a pretty big comeback in recent years. Uh, you know, the, their most controversial sort of view, which, you know, is a dichotomy with, uh, you know, theological Armenianism is that God basically chooses who's going to be saved before everything. And it's the idea of predestination. Anyway, uh, you know, that's a, listen, <laughs> if you're if you're a tulip single, that's a big, big deal. You can't be out there going on a coffee date <laughs> with someone who thinks that God's grace is resistible. You can't do that. What if, what if I? What if I pick up nothing? Nothing kills the mood. Nothing kills the mood faster because you can't ask. Yeah, that's annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, ask, I can't ask. Like, hey, it's great to meet you. Where are you from? What you do? Do you believe that you're totally depraved and without the capability of accepting grace without supernatural intervention? What a concept, huh? That John Calvin. Thankfully, Tulip Singles is here to here to help. You can go and Tyler. You actually started creating a profile on there. I did. I went as far as I could. I, I, I went as far as I dared. I'm married and I don't want to, I don't want to start any rumors. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, folks. I'm not on the market. You know, I'm, I'm happily, I'm happily tied down. Uh, but I was curious to see like, at what point is there going to be a credit card situation? <laughs> but I wanted, I had to see yeah. the, the form. Yeah. You have to sign the doctrinal statement before they'll let you. I hope it. you it's signed like it under a, a fake name. This is Jonathan Piper. <laughs> Reformed advocate, <laughs> Junior. Junior. He's married too. I do. It did have. It did have at one point in the copy. Uh, an early pitch was: Are you tired of asking where are all the reformed singles in my area? <laughs> Who out there was that like? Neat. Was that like their yes, yes? Somebody finally, finally somebody saw me. <laughs> <laughs> what Google search? What Google search did you stumble across? TulipSingles.com. We're like, where are the reform singles in Nashville, Tennessee? I've been up and down these streets, sick and tired of ending up on a one-on-one with a cute girl. And I don't know where. I don't know why I'm assuming this is a guy, but I just kind of do. This thing has has single guy vibes written all I, over I, it. I, I'm fairly confident a, a woman did not set up TulipSingles.com. Not that they couldn't. Yeah, it just, just seems like something a reformed dude would. <laughs> Now, yeah, Dude, it, it reminds me of, uh, have you guys seen FarmersOnly.com? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With the little jingle, <laughs> FarmersOnly.com. <laughs> the other curious thing about this, too, is like the theological conundrum it opens up. Because if you end up filling out a profile on TulipSingles.com, were you predestined to do that? Were there, was there even any point in marketing? Yeah. Like predestination is no. the whole thing. <laughs> or were you predestined to find TulipSingles.com? Like it's sort of like a matrix thing. It's 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 down a deep rabbit hole. Now I chicken or the egg. Now Corey, I don't want to I, I don't want to burn any bridges for you because I'm sure you have a, a, a lot of reformed um, uh, 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 fans in your listenership, as do we, and we respect and love them. And obviously, this is all in good fun. And I'm, I hope they're 
laughing with us. Uh, I, I hope they're, they're, they're laughing along. But I, for, but from my experience with Reformed theology heads, my, uh, this is what I told Tyler the other day. I, uh, my money is on their first date is to a microbrewery. It just seems like people who are into reform theology <laughs> love microbrews. Like a fancy. Like a fancy. <laughs> They're getting oh, the oh, definitely. The banana. Definitely. Yeah. Beer. I live in, I'm, I'm in Kalamazoo, Michigan right now, and this okay. is like the heart of reformed territory. Yeah. And it's also the heart of microbreweries. We have like the uh, most little craft breweries all over the place here. Yeah. I, I also feel like, you know, <laughs> like if the other the other question should be like, would you consider going on a date to Starbucks? If no, that's a huge red flag because they're only drinking dark like espresso. That's, you know, they know where it was sourced from <laughs> those. Then this isn't a dig. They're people of refined taste. OK, they have they have refined theology and a very fine taste when it comes to their beverages. So there's a lot of red flags out there to look for. But that's listen, right. if you are <laughs> right. a, a single eligible reform theological person that's looking to find uh, that that mate that God has predestined you for before the beginnings of time. Head over to tulipsingles.com and they might be able to help you out. So, uh, Wait, why, why do you even need the site though? Honestly, like if it's all predestined, it's just ex- exactly. it should be happening. It should be <laughs> don't, popping don't, off don't, for you, man. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> great point. Once you start asking those questions, we're, we, yeah. we've only got an hour. We're yeah, trying to keep okay, this podcast okay. short. <laughs> so, right now, what's happening, folks, is Corey is in real time deconstructing his faith in tulipsingles.com. We'll see if he comes out on the other side. Yeah. This is deconstruction. I'm going to make a fake profile <laughs> <laughs> all right so i the slice i brought this week is uh, sort of a, a cousin to my slice last week actually this was purely by accident but last week uh jesse you and i talked about the growing uh contemporary christian music cinematic universe That's that right. is being put together we we've heard that there are a few christian i saw a poster i was at the movies last night and uh, i saw a poster for this upcoming jeremy camp biopic yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, the title of which is escaping me right now. I just remember that it stars Hot Archie from the CW show Riverdale. Yeah. So presumably inspired by this wave, our friend Kevin Max tweeted earlier this week, if one should ever do a film on the life of DC talk, who should play who? Top shelf actors only. That's a power move. Of course. Of course. That's, I love that's, a flex. that's a flex. What, what we're, not, he, we're not here for. Okay, but you see what he's doing there now. No. Because, and I can only imagine, they had like Dennis Quaid was their big A lister as as the guy from Mercy Me's uh, dad, right? Uh, right. Basically, right. what mm-hmm. Kevin Max yeah. is saying here is if you do us, don't do what you do to Jeremy Camp. We don't want CW level. Okay. Yeah. This is CW actors. This is DC talk. Yeah. We need, we need, we need three actors, three Oscar contenders. It's as simple as that. And, uh, (laughs) and so he, so he tweeted this out. There were actually, and this would, I, I think, and I, I say, I say this sincerely. I think that given the right in the right hands, I think there's a really interesting DC talk movie in there. Sure. I'm not confident that it would happen. I'm not confident that it would do it, but, but, I'd say I I would be interested if it was done the right way. But the cast obviously is key. That's what we were talking about. There were some, uh, I was looking through some of the, the like options that people threw Kevin's way. And then I put together my own list, which I will read you guys, uh, and, and hear what, hear what you think about them. But first, some of the other suggestions that I saw. Um, 
we'll, we'll start off with, <laughs> with, uh, I appreciate, uh, Eric. Eric's idea, obviously, uh, having kind of a, he, he's seeing this movie down the, down the line a little bit. He has Morgan Freeman as Michael Tate, Sir Anthony <laughs> Hopkins as Toby, and he has Bono's dad for Kevin Max. It's like a wild I don't know how old dogs. he thinks yeah. the DC talk guys. <laughs> All right. Here, here's one. I'm, but I, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Pull from the list. Go okay. Ahead. Leon has a more contemporary. Uh, Jude Law as Toby Mac. I can kind of see that. They're, they kind of have a similar look about them. I can kind of see it. Michael B. Jordan as Michael Tate and then Bradley Cooper <laughs> as Kevin Max. Again, I would see that. That's a movie I'd see. No question. I don't I don't see Bradley Cooper. I don't see yeah. Bradley Cooper <laughs> in that role. That's a, that's a straight Cooper, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's like... <laughs> I, you know what? You guys, hey, a lot trying, of people they're, listen. They're trying for that Kevin Max retweet. Yeah, a lot of people. I, the other one that I saw a lot for for Kevin Max was Jared Leto. Did you see that too, Tyler? I did see a lot of Jared Leto in there, and that one I can makes a little yeah, more sense because they both they, they, they both kind of have that like chaotic energy yeah, where kind of mysterious. You, you feel like I feel like Kevin and Jared Leto. I feel like they both are like you would talk to them for a little bit, and you'd be friends with them, but you'd also be like. I, I, this guy is unpredictable. This guy has this. This guy might call me up at two a.m. and be like, "Let's ride motorcycles out into <laughs> snake hunting." I want. Yeah, I've never been listen, snake hunting before. I, We're going snake hunting. I, met this, I met this. I heard you met a lady on tulipsingles.com. Let's take the hogs out and go go meet her for some micro. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, this one also, I think, trying for that retweet. You have uh, somebody said Ryan Gosling as Kevin Max. Uh, wouldn't that be nice? Um, Paul Bettany is Toby Mac. I haven't seen Paul Bettany for a while, but I can kind of see that Who's a little Paul bit. Bettany? He's he's Vision in the Avengers movies. Oh uh, yeah, okay, okay. Uh, what else is he? he? That's one I think he's done in a little while. I think. Yeah, I know who that is. And uh, and then I actually don't know who this person is. Michael Jamal Warner for Michael Tate. He was uh, on the Cosby Show. He I was on we, the Cosby show. He was Theo. Oh, he was Theo, right? I thought we were told. I thought we were talking about top shelf actors only. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm top not sure. Only. I'm not sure that qualifies. All right. All right, but, Tyler. Uh, but I want to hear yours. I, uh, and then, Corey, we're going to put you on the spot. Can I throw you, you mine? Yeah. Um, so, here's what I, so here's what I put together. I said Aaron Paul for Toby Mac. I said Robert Pattinson for Kevin Max, because they both got that, again, that dark, weird energy. And mm-hmm. uh, then I'm going to say John Boyega for Michael Tate. He's coming off of Star Wars. He needs to get his prestige. He needs his prestige role. This is waiting right there for him. <laughs> those are my those are my three. Corey, what do you say? Oh, that was pretty solid, man. Uh, the one pretty that solid. I might change there um, is John Boyega. I like, I've, I've stood next to Michael Tate a couple times. He's a pretty fairly big dude, actually. Yeah. I say he's probably six two, maybe. Oh wow. Um I don't know. Hmm. I, I almost want to go uh, Michael B. Jordan back on that one, yeah. but he's such a stud, you know, it's that's a tough one. <laughs> Man, you are talking about <laughs> are you, Michael. Are you, is the implication here that don't read into it too much, bro. Don't read into it. Dude, I Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's reading into it. You feel like maybe Michael B. Jordan is just a little too. I was, I was, uh, just last, a couple weeks ago, we were talking to Brian Stevenson, who's, uh, the subject of Just Mercy, which stars Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan plays him. And I would say, and he, he was very open about that being sort of a casting stretch. 
Uh, he said if he had known Michael B. Jordan was going to be playing him, he would have worked out a lot more, which <laughs> I, I think we can. And that's a lesson to all of us. You know, work out. You never for know the actor the you biopic. want to play the hypothetical. <laughs> yeah. You never know. You never know. Stay in the gym well, so that when they cast Michael B. as you. Here, here's what I want to like do. I want to throw out a couple others. OK, so like yeah. uh, the Hillsong Squad. OK, Hillsong. I don't know if you guys Let's have ever it. heard this, but Joel Let's Houston. Joel Houston that dude is Russell Crowe. Straight oh, up. Yes. Like they're the same person. Oh, same wow. guy. And I then, can... you know, you guys know who Ben Hastings is, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, he, to me, if, uh, what's the guy's name from, uh, he's Frodo in uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. Yeah. Cause he's got that kind of pretty little uh-huh. kind of dainty face. But if Elijah Wood had that long hair, that's, that's Ben Hastings straight up. All right, Corey, I'm going to say, I want you so to the Hillsong, so the Hillsong movie. <laughs> Yeah, that, so that one's cast. The Mercy Me one's cast. We got DC Talk cast. Jeremy yeah. Camp is cast. Now, Corey, I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to set a scene for you, okay? All right, okay. A man pulls up to a Chick-fil-A. He's been to a thousand times. He hands him the coveted card. God's reward for faithful service. All of a sudden, he gets a, a look from behind the counter. Rejected rejection has his favor lifted this summer one man's journey to overcome all obstacles in reckless love the Corey asbury story now open your eyes Corey. now open your eyes yes now tell us who in your mind is portraying you in this film <laughs> okay so I, I had two thoughts one was uh okay. really stupid because all the rejection and just super sad and intense. I saw Christopher Walken with yeah. those sad eyes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, the jacked sure. up this eyes. Still he's still battling this out into your 60s. Yeah, 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 yeah totally, totally. Yeah. But then the second is a little more hopeful. Maybe he gets the Chipotle package right after that. And it's, yeah. forgive me for this, but it's Zac Efron and Brad Pitt, baby. <laughs> Zac <laughs> <laughs> like, Efron or Brad Pitt? I'm good with either no. one. Is Efron, is Efron right. like the yeah. young you? Yeah. Yeah. Flashbacks listen, and what, Brad Pitt is like yeah. reflecting. Listen, here's what we'll do, Corey. Here's what we'll do. We will get Scorsese to do this and just de-age you like he did for Robert uh, oh, De Niro yeah. in The Irishman. Perfect. We can just de-age oh, yeah. him. We'll Perfect. just de-age Perfect. Brad Pitt for this. Easy. I see it. Oh, man. I'll see that movie. <laughs> He's oh. already done it. This is Benjamin Button all over again. Dude, it's easy. More river runs through it. Days, exact same that's like prime BP, baby. That's right. And that's, and that's, 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 that's not me. a problem. We can do that now. Oh, I see it. Oh, I see it. Like well, looking, as, it's like looking in a mirror. As always, we'll say this to producers that is out in the world, but you owe us royalties should it ever be made. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, that was some <laughs> interesting news that we found out there today, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for slices. When we come back, Jad Abumrad joins us. You're listening to Eleven by Khalid. Well, Jad Abumrad is the founder and co-host of the wildly popular radio show and podcast series Radio Lab, Unerased and More Perfect, as well as his latest, a look at the life and cultural influence of music superstar and first daughter of Nashville, Dolly Parton. I recently got to talk with Jad about the series. 
and how Dolly's life and music can tell us so much more about America today. This was a really interesting one for me, especially being here in Nashville. Yeah. Jad is a, is a Nashville native, and I've been here for the last, uh, I guess, about six years now. And obviously... Everybody loves Dolly. She's an American icon, but yeah. she's got an extra special amount of um, attention here in Nashville, here in Tennessee, because she's, of course, from uh, from Tennessee. And I don't know how much of the podcast you've got a chance to listen to, Jesse, but it is worth listening to whether or not you're a fan of Dolly. I think just people who like good podcasts, good storytelling would have a good time listening to this. Oh, for sure. I mean, like that's what drew me at first, because... I had never really thought about Dolly Parton in any sort of sure. like meaningful way. Obviously, I was aware of her as like a cultural figure, but Jad Abramrod is one of my is on a very short list of of my journalism heroes, uh-huh. uh, living uh-huh. heroes. So I, you know, I got to interview him and Robert Krolwich, who co-hosts right. Radio Lab together a few years ago, and it was a, it was you know I, I and they were willing to talk about faith the whole time. You know, I think the reason that I was so compelled to listen to Dolly Parton's America is because, you know, Jad has really carved out this space for himself, you know, in science reporting and for him to turn the microphone, I was going to say the lens, but the microphone to a cultural figure like Dolly Parton, I felt like was very interesting. And I didn't really realize until I started listening to the podcast, which is fantastic. It's It's a very bingeable podcast Um, that, you know, when you think about Dolly Parton, not only does she, uh, you know, is she this like kind of iconic figure? She also unites a lot of different types of Americans from different right. backgrounds, you know, religious, non-religious, conservative, liberal. Uh, and that's what, you know, to hear Jad dig into that was very, very yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I, and I think it was especially interesting for him. You know, he his uh, his family immigrated over here from the Middle East, and, and that's uh, yeah. on the surface of it. That's, that's something that would often, the stereotype would say, well, country music doesn't have a lot to offer. But, but that just has not been his experience, especially in talking to Dolly, who, like you said, is such an inclusive presence. At a time when there is not yeah. a lot of those, and uh, he uh, the the podcast kind of splits up Dolly's legacy into into eight different parts. I talked to him about this a few weeks ago, actually, before this final episode had come out, which it now has, which really gets into Dolly's faith to Dolly's uh, w- what she thinks about God, and he because he yeah. talked about it so much, he asked us to sit on this until uh, until that has come out. So now that episode is out, you can go listen to it. But we had a, so we talked mostly really about uh, what Do- how Dolly felt about God according per his interviews with her. And uh, the first thing I wanted to ask is just a little bit about her own legacy. I, I know she was raised in Tennessee, out, out in a very, very rural part of Tennessee, but I didn't know what her history with the church was at all. And uh, it probably won't surprise you to find out that it came from, she comes from a, a very uh, a very Pentecostal background. He explains a little bit of it here. Yeah, I find her ability to be super important to like, traditional like Southern Baptist community, the faith. Right. Mm -hmm. And at the same time be taken by other communities as like this progressive figure. I just find that kind of amazing. I don't know who else does that. Completely unique. Um, It's really unique. And so, you know, I asked her a lot about that and, you know, part of it is that she grew up as uh, like her, her grandpa was a, I believe Pentecostal preacher, you know, like speaking in tongues, Mm -hmm. like, but like uh, I'm, I'm a little out of my depth here, but it's like kind of that classic uh, evangelical, like hardline. Maybe that 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 world was the world she grew up in. Out and there in Appalachia, right? she told. 
Yeah, and she uh, she told stories about how like she would see people go up and start speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. and always wonder like why am I not getting that? That's not a tradition that I was raised in, but I'm I'm familiar at least with that uh with with that very uh, sort of backwoods uh, way out there in the Tennessee mountains snake handling type of Pentecostalism. Yeah, and and, and not even just like the fringy elements you, you know that he talks yeah, about of course. like obviously there are those sort of appellation sort of uh, you know non-traditional um practices but also you know sort of things that you see in a lot of charismatic churches like speaking in tongues that mm-hmm. y- you know mm-hmm. it's interesting for him to kind of dig into that to to to, to talk about how you know, uh, you know, what kind of impact that had on, on someone like Dolly Parton, who um, had a has a very, I feel like, authentic, um, but personal uh, relationship with faith, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what he got into next here, because uh, she never really connected with that. Even as a young girl, that was not as much as her family was invested in that. She just didn't really feel a strong affinity for any of that. And he so so but she is she she does have a, a personal faith, but it's very private. She did open yeah. up to him about it a little bit. in the story that he tells here, which he called the most moving story that she told him. Here's uh, the story of how she says she found God. One of the most beautiful stories that of, of any Dolly story uh, that I I heard is the story she tells of when she found God. Hmm. She talks about finding God not in a like an organized church, not in the middle of a service with other people around. Uh, there apparently was this abandoned church at the bottom of the hill where she grew up. And it was this busted up church with the windows all broken. And uh, there was like uh, pornographic graffiti uh, scrawled on the walls and, uh, and, a, and a broken down piano in the corner. And she went in there one day and started singing and then apparently grabbed some of the piano strings in the, inside the piano and stretched them over a board and made like a kind of homemade zither for herself. And just kind of started like singing against these drones, and um, and it was somehow there in that mm-hmm. space that she just kind of felt the presence of God. And um, like I'm personally not a believer, and so I don't know what that's like. Mm-hmm. But just as an idea, that's sort of captivating to me. Like that she would find it there in this place where it's like music, God, and sex are all together. Hmm. In this like mm-hmm. this blend, uh, and and that it would be entirely solitary. It wasn't like an organized thing. And so, what's fascinating to me is that she's, you know, the the those sort of, um, I think of the church ladies from the south where I grew up. You know, the, the, the bigger they are, the closer to Jesus. That whole thing. <laughs> um, you know, like she's really powerfully important to those people. At the same time, she doesn't go to church. She uh, she doesn't, in a way, believe in organized religion. But she has chapels in every house that she lives in. So it's clearly an important part of her life, but it's, it's private, it's personal. Man, to be a fly on a wall in that old abandoned church yeah. where this... What a cool... Like, <laughs> uh, and here's what I love about the stories. You know, that, that clip's only... That's a brief clip, you know, uh, but in it, 
Jad yeah. Amrod, uh, to, to his credit, is a fantastic storyteller and paints an incredible picture. And if you are looking for sort of stories and these, you know, really wonderful and beautiful anecdotes like that, I mean, the, that the Dolly Parton's America is full of them. But man, it's full what, what, what a thought of one of the most influential figures in modern American culture stumbling into an old vandalized church and. Uh, you know, finding God there. What a cool, what a cool story. Every, every Dolly Parton story sounds like Dolly Parton fanfic. It sounds like something yeah. you'd like that somebody made up for the, it's, it's, it's really cool that she's had. And that those experiences are what make her such a powerful storyteller and a yeah. uh, songwriter who's, who's transcended uh, multiple generations now. And I was really curious to talk to, he's telling me all this secondhand, you know, he's telling me about Dolly's life secondhand. I was curious about what this meant for him. He is, he is not a believer. Uh, he was very open about that, but he obviously found this story very moving. I, I was curious what about this uh, struck a chord with him. And he had this very vulnerable response. I really appreciated his honesty here. And I don't know, like if somebody had articulated that that's what religion can be, to me, like when I was growing up in Nashville, I might have, it might have had more oh. appeal to me, you oh. know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's she's fascinatingly able to like be entirely unique and singular in her approach to her faith. At the same time, she draws a lot of power because of her background um, from those sort of more traditional Baptist, Pentecostal, sort of more Southern types of faith. So it's, it, I just find I find her faith so so interesting, and I think that's. That's uh, such an interesting takeaway and such an interesting lesson, yeah. frankly, for those of us who who hear yeah. it. Yeah, I it, it I, I couldn't be a bigger fan of of the pod series. Like like I said, I, I've always been a fan of uh, what Jad Amarad has done, uh, particularly with Radio Lab. And um, man, to get this kind of insight into someone who, again, man, she kind of I I, I don't live I, I you know my my. Uh, grandmother came from Appalachian country in West Virginia and, and that's right, was yeah. a very big Dolly Parton fan. Uh, and, and, and my grandmother was a musician and Dolly Parton was a big influence. Um, but you know, I'm not from Tennessee. I'm not from Nashville. I don't think she occupies the same, uh, sort of like place in my cultural lexicon as, as people from, from Virginia beach, not yeah, a big, yeah. uh, not a big Dolly Parton scene. Not, I mean, but what was interesting listening to the, the series is like, man, her influence has really infiltrated everywhere in the country, the country. I mean, you know, yeah, she can sell yeah. out Madison square garden with a very diverse group of, of people who can sort of lay down their cultural war arms and appreciate the kind of singularly unifying power of her music, you know, which weaves everything mm -hmm. from stories, you know, from, you know, social empowerment to uh, poverty to faith in, in such interesting and profound ways. Yeah. Yeah. And if that sounds interesting to you or even if you just like hearing a, a well-told story told over a few installments, uh, can't recommend this series highly enough. I, I had a great time listening to it with my wife. It was really cool to get to talk to Jad about some of the behind the scenes stuff. It's called Dolly Parton's America. And I'd encourage you to check it out once you are done listening to the relevant podcast here. So we've got a lot more. And up. I think this week we're going to run more of that interview with that other conversation with Chad on the site. So yes. it'll be over on relevantmagazine.com. Yep. Definitely appreciate him yep. uh, being on the show and all the work he's done. That was Chad Abram, Ron. When we come back, it's the editorial question of the week. Say, 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 say
You're listening to Tommy in the 80s by Beach Slang. All right, we haven't done this in a while. It's time for editorial question of the week. All right, so last week we asked you all for your most embarrassing holiday memories. I was surprised at how many people wrote in. I keep I keep my embarrassing memories really close to the chest, but some of y'all just tweeted them out into the wild. Uh, here you you hit us up on Relevant Magazine, the Relevant Podcast on Twitter. Here are some of our favorites. All right. Well, Kindle uh, delivered uh, this one. She, this one is awkward and also sad because she went back to her parents' house. I and I don't have the context. Uh, she lived with her parents for the last few years, and she was she went back, I guess, for the holidays. And she noticed that her cats. She says her. So it, you know, she says my cat, not the family cat. My cat's litter box and food bowls were gone. Found out that my parents had put her down over Labor Day weekend. No one thought I needed to know, I guess. That is an awkward time. <laughs> hey, hey, listen. Um, where's Mr. Pickles Bowl? Uh, Mom? Dad? <laughs> They're like, we got you something for Christmas this year. A cat-free lifestyle. Congratulations. Mr. Pickles is, is in heaven where all cats go. Yeah, we we believe this we believe he was predestined to go there anyway. So the merciful thing to do, the merciful thing to do, was put him down and just let him go yeah. to the place where God intended him to be the whole time. Juan so. uh, Juan uh, has a this this one's uh, both awkward and kind of scary. Uh, he says one Christmas, four friends and I traveled to Russia. We took an overnight train from Moscow to Saint Petersburg, where sleeping rooms held four. I was the odd man out sleeping in a room with three strangers right there. That's a little mm-hmm. strange right there. You're on a train to Russia. So you're already right, on enemy ground. You don't know if they're going to, they're always up to some shenanigans. <laughs> they're going to try to you hack got, you. You got no idea what you, make you vote for Vladimir to. Putin. <laughs> <laughs> the red menace is creeping into the train cart there. And, uh, and he says, for some reason it felt unpeaceful. I can think of why that might've been. So instead of storing my bag, I tried sleep hugging it. It's a very bold. I'm, I appreciate Juan's honesty here. He, he needed to he needed to cuddle with something in the night. Went for his bag. No shame in that. I completely understand. Middle of the night, police come in and arrest the man sleeping on the bunk <laughs> below me for stealing from people's bags. The guy had been getting up, rifling through people's bags. Fortunately, Juan was cuddling, his, cradling his in his arms, kept all his valuables safe. And he said, after that, the room felt more peaceful. Merry Christmas. Do you, know, do you notice the commonality of both these two stories is very passive-aggressive people. Like Kendall's parents, they could have just told her the cat was put down. But instead, they just remove all the cat's things and just let her figure it out. Juan... What do you think the other three people on the train are doing when Juan looks around and is obviously jittery and decides to sleep hug his bag all night? It's like, okay, okay, bro. Like, we get it. You don't trust us. And maybe it was Kendall's, maybe it was Kendall's parents on the train because they seem like very passive aggressive people. Oh, yeah. I bet this is a, this is a connected thing. Too. So how did the, how did the police know it was dark in there? Presumably who, who alerted? Maybe that's not, that's just not how things work in all in, in communist Russia. They just drag you to jail for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, they're putting a gulag in Siberia for that kind of thing. Uh, Ryan said this. I'm guessing Ryan was some sort of guest speaker at that. He didn't give the context, but I'm reading between the lines here. I'm guessing he was some sort of guest speaker over like Thanksgiving because he did. 
He did some football material from the pulpit. Uh, I always love it when prop comedy not only makes its way into the sermon, because I feel like we're in a like Instagram and like those clips that pastors post to Instagram has has brought us to a new age of sermon prop comedy. Like if a pastor walks out on stage with like a golf club or like an empty chest of things, I know something hilariously and spiritual profound is going to happen and it's going to end up in an Instagram clip. Like <laughs> that's just the age we live in. Uh, but Ryan, but I'm not naming names. I'm just saying I see it all the time. Uh, so Ryan <laughs> said that to kick off the service, he did a roast of his pastors that ended up with him throwing uh, with a friend throwing me a football with a timed Uncle Rico, Uncle Rico joke. So not only is it propped comedy, it's got timely pop culture references. Uncle Rico <laughs> from Napoleon Dynamite, <laughs> which came out 15 years ago. All the hallmarks. Finger on the pulse. All the hallmarks of a great sermon analogy. Yeah. <laughs> Unknowingly, he left stage with a hot mic on. Uh, and so halfway through the first song, I guess he uh, was still playing catch somewhere because he yelled, hit me in the hands which yelled out as the worship team is undoubtedly singing reckless love. And so it ruined the whole vibe. Probably reckless love. Yeah. So that was the Thanksgiving. You you could probably do a whole, a whole editorial question of the week with hot mic moments from church. We should. Let's put that in our back pocket. You've got, yeah. 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 Keep it. We'll we'll sit on that one for a future (laughs) for uh, a future because it had, and Corey's, I'm sure Corey's, you've, you've been in, you've been in more churches than probably most men in America. <laughs> you don't need to name names, but, but I would imagine you've seen some hot mic moments. Because I've had a pastor oh, on yeah. multiple occasions use the bathroom with the mic on. Like you hear everything, oh, you know, oh, just kind yeah, of piping through the PA. You know too much. Yeah. There's one guy, like one elder that just runs out of the sanctuary, you know, like, oh no, oh no, it's <laughs> happening again. But you know, <laughs> oh no, oh no. You just hear the beginning of a toilet flush and then it goes quiet. Corey, have you ever heard a hot mic incident go down at a, at a, at a church or worship event? Um, I mean, not quite that same style, but there have been many, many weird things that have take place, taken place sure. on the mic for sure. The one of I got two favorites. First is this is back when I was in Kansas City at a place called the House of Prayer. And uh, this dude named Marcus Meyer was leading worship. And we had uh, what's called, I don't even remember what it's called, to be honest, but we had like a thousand uh, teenagers on campus. And, you know, they're rowdy, they're wild, they smell bad. It's (laughs) the whole thing. So all of a sudden, Marcus Myers leading worship and this one kid creeps around onto the stage, comes around. Marcus doesn't see him and he grabs the mic from Marcus and he screams, don't take the mark of the beast. Don't take the mark of the beast, bro. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. And, and Marcus like was fully freaked out, like just scared out of his mind. When you say kid, when you say kid, like how, how old are we talking? Uh, we're talking like 15, 14, 15, okay. 16, somewhere in that range. Okay. And, you know, he's just trying okay. to goof off. He's just. He's just being a, yeah. a kid, you know, whatever. But yeah. it scared uh-huh. the crap out of Marcus, and it was wicked loud That's in the room. Advice. That was. Uh, <laughs> That was one of my favorites. There's, I don't know how much time we have, but there's one more that's pretty fire as well. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Hey, if you've got time, we've got time. So this one, uh, this is like the most famous story uh, from the House of Prayer where I'm from. And 
it was, uh, I can't remember exactly when it was, but uh, I was actually in the prayer room for this. I was, I was just like sitting there. So the prayer room is like, there's worship happening all the time. And there's a bunch of people in the room, basically just a church service that happens 24 seven. All of a sudden this dude walks in from the back of the room and he's wearing a long white robe, just a white robe. That's it. And he's got this long hair and the big beard. I mean, just full on Jesus vibe. Like this dude is Jesus. And everyone in the room notices him like, Oh dude, what the heck is going on? So he walks like as regally and as calmly and perfectly like, as if he was just receiving all of the worship for himself up the aisle. <laughs> so he's just gently walking up the aisle, smiling at everyone as he's walking by hands raised um, with his long white robe and his long hair and his beard. So we're all just watching kind of dumbfounded. Like we don't know what he's doing. So he, he walks to the yeah. front of the, of the building and he sits on the stage and he faces just like the worship team toward the audience, toward the people in the room. And so now everyone in the room is just kind of on high alert, like, oh, oh gosh, what's what's going down? Like, what's happening here? Yeah. Please tell <laughs> and, me you levitate. Uh, you know, this- <laughs> you're going to like this. You're going to like this. Yeah, yeah. So all the okay. section leaders, all the security in the room is like, you know, they're, they're freaking out. Like, what do we do? Uh, you know, so they go up and ask him, hey, you know, we don't know his name, but Hey man, would you mind like getting off the stage? This is causing a big distraction. Um, people are no longer worshiping. They're just staring at you. Like this is weird. (laughs) So he doesn't even respond. He just smiles and looks at them like with this kind look in his face. And, uh, so we're like, okay, this, the situation's escalating. He's not moving. People are starting to get scared. So we, we have to call the cops and, uh, the cops show up you know, they, they march like five wide up the aisles. They're real militant and kind of intense. And they get up there to him. Was a Roman centurion with them? Yeah, you wish. (laughs) Yeah. I think we've heard this story. Yeah. This is is sounding familiar. (laughs) So did somebody, did somebody in the crowd give a yell, give us Barabbas. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So they, they walk up and uh, they try to reason with them, you know, just like we did. Hey man, we really need you to come down, yeah. um, or we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do some things. We're gonna have to rescue, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And again, all he does is smile and look at them. He won't respond with words, nothing. So he, yeah. they kind of, <laughs> it gets a little more intense. But basically, they they cuff the dude, put his hands behind his back, and as they're walking yeah. out, the worship team has stopped at this point. It's just pure <laughs> silent <laughs> awkwardness. And he's walking yeah. out. And as he's walking out, he screams, Father, forgive them. They're doing it again, <laughs> no. Father. They don't know what they're doing. Oh, and he's like oh screaming my. at the top of his lungs. Oh, wow. They're doing it again, Father. And we're just oh, dying. Wow. Like oh. we're laughing our heads off. But it's so sad at the same time. So he got like Jesus got full on arrested, man. Oh, was wow. he do you think this was like a plot like was he was this his plan like i want to go in and i want to get arrested so that i can have like i'm just want to <laughs> set up my own punchline here an extremely elaborate an extreme or was he like mentally maybe like a little bit unwell yeah no i think, prob- I think there was some both, mentally illness, mental illness happening there for sure um but who knows i mean maybe maybe it was a big plan but it was that was the gnarliest uh, church moment of my or, life for sure uh, 
the, the only thing that would have made the other one, you said that when the when the kid who who's like 15 yelled, don't take the mark yeah. of the beast into the microphone. Yeah. The only thing that would have made that's that story more creepy is if the kid was like four years old and just wandered on stage and he's like, don't take the mark of the beast. And you're like, oh, why did kids say that? It's weird. <laughs> well, well, Tyler, I think let's save let's save people's awkward uh, hot mic. I do feel like there's yes. a lot of material Agreed. because we're we're kind of in this Agreed. CCM moment. So how about this for next week? We want to hear people's pitches for CCM movies and not only a pitch for the movie, but cast them who would play the artists <laughs> in the film. You can tweet us at relevant podcasts and we will read some of our favorites next and week. We, and if you, and if you are, if you're so inclined to like put together a, uh, a movie poster for your, to, to get your Photoshop skills on, I'm not, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt yeah. as we take yeah, some of these pitches to Hollywood to try to get them greenlit. You know, the more work we can do ahead of time, the more likely we are to get one of these projects off the ground. So anything you yeah. can do is much appreciated. All right. That'll do it for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, hey, many thanks to uh, to Jad Abumrad. We really had a great time talking about Dolly Parton's America. The whole series is out now. You can go listen to it where you listen to your podcasts. Uh, also, got to say thanks to Corey Asbury. Corey, this was really fun, man. Thanks for making time yeah, for thanks, us. I'm man. so glad it finally worked out. Absolutely, yeah. man. It was a blast. It was a good luck with, uh, with, I hope, I hope the books release is like a really positive thing. And I hope you, it sounds like it was kind of a difficult decision to go for it in the first place. So I, I really hope it pans out, man. I, I hope that you're rewarded for taking the risk that you did. Cause I know it's not easy to write one of those. So <laughs> thanks, thanks for encouraging. Thanks for joining us. It was a, it was super fun. Yeah. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, this was a Absolutely. blast, man. Anytime you want to do it, just let us know. We'd love to have you back. Sounds good, man. Also, want to tell everybody listening to make sure you check out the relevant daily. It's our uh, daily podcast comes out Monday through Friday with the top three stories at the intersection of faith and culture that you need to know every week uh, brought to you by myself. And with that, I think we'll wrap it up. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Taylor Street. I'm Jesse Carey. And I'm Corey Asbury. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, yeah. We'll <laughs> yeah, do it again. Absolutely. We'll it again. Have a great week, everyone. For listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe This summer, one man's journey to overcome all obstacles in Reckless Love, the Corey Asbury story. Relevant Podcast Network. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.